Chapter Twenty Seven of Born Again by Alfred Lawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Gabby Cowan. It would be almost impossible to record my impressions of the different things that came to my notice for the first time in twenty-one years as i was driven from the hospital to the hotel while great progress had taken place in many lines during that time still after having had such a realistic mental picture of the wonders of sage land stamped upon my mind the new inventions such as trolley cars automobiles etc which i had never seen before seemed crude and insignificant as i passed from street to street i could not fail to observe the great disorder that prevailed everywhere in the foremost city of the world in the first place i was struck by the inharmonious and ragged appearance of the buildings here was a tall skyscraper of nice white marble thirty stories high towering up into the clouds like a great bean-pole while on one side of it was a squatty little two-story red brick structure and on the other side a six-story brown stone building the whole forming a most irregular and distracting appearance to the eye in other places right in the heart of the city and adjoining well-designed buildings were vacant lots enclosed by high ugly board fences on which were painted fantastic and ridiculous advertisements these defects of course could only be thoroughly remedied by putting into force the logical economic principle of state ownership of all land and buildings instead of permitting the individual to do as he pleased with property made valuable by the community the disarrangement of the buildings however merely typified the incongruous and illogical disorganization of the people themselves for instance here was a big strong well-fed fashionably groomed young man walking along the street carrying no heavier burden than a light walking stick while just beside him was a half-starved old woman almost bent double under the weight of a large basket of clothes she had washed for somebody else then again here were two big strong men perched upon the driver's seat of a magnificent carriage drawn by two great powerful horses and conveying about the city for recreation a dyspeptic lapdog while trudging along the gutter in search of work or something to eat was a weak ill-fed broken-down old man who had no doubt given the best years of his life to the actual labor which had increased the wealth of the community along the streets everywhere were dirty young boys of tender age who should have been at school or play rushing madly in every direction trying to earn a few cents by the sale of newspapers polishing shoes and acting as chore boys little brass bands were scattered about here and there brying forth inharmoniously and organ grinders and street piano players were rending the air with bad music in return for a few pennies thrown to them by passing pedestrians 
vendors of fruit shoe strings collar buttons and other light merchandise were scattered along the sidewalks and gutters trying to earn a living by the sale of their wares while beggars occasionally stopped the more fortunate members of society with pathetic importunities for money to buy bread Calfmen and horses were wasting the public power by standing idly about waiting for engagements or else driving aimlessly in all directions searching for patronage wagons of every description were rushing about hither and thither in a wretchedly unsystematic method of retail delivery utilizing in many cases the labor of two men and a team of horses to carry a small package several miles distant countless little retail merchants with an incalculable force of managers clerks bookkeepers errand boys etc were fairly throwing away the public power in enormous quantities through the brainless struggle of competitive trade all these imperfections could be extirpated by the abolition of the money system thought i as the carriage came to a standstill in front of a great brown stone edifice and the driver announced that we had reached our destination the door of the carriage was swung open by a uniformed employee and alighting therefrom i was immediately ushered into the main office of the leading institution of its kind in the world the waldoria hotel it was quite a new sensation for me to enter this great hostelry as a guest having spent the fore part of my life as a rough adventurer who had never known the meaning of luxury or refinement but still somehow or other it always seemed natural for me to carry myself properly in whatever position i happened to be placed and on this occasion i felt composed and at my ease as i entered and made known my identity to the head clerk this pompous servant showed extraordinary affability and politeness toward me which caused me to wonder how i should have been received by him had i been a shoemaker a carpenter or some other honest son of toil whose labor increases the wealth of the world instead of a moneyed gentleman of leisure and extravagance as he evidently supposed me to be your secretary has deposited five thousand dollars to your credit here mr convert said he handing me a blank check book so if you will kindly give me your signature for certification you can then draw upon that amount as you see fit in astonishment i was about to inform him that i had no secretary and that the money was not mine when it occurred to me that perhaps arletta or her agent if she had one must have pretended to be my secretary so i said nothing and did as requested upon being shown to my apartments a handsomely furnished suite of two rooms and a bath upon the tenth floor i was further amazed to find therein a trunk two dressed suitcases a travelling bag and six suits of fine clothes made in different styles from an evening dress to a sack business suit and the bedstead tables and bureaus 
were literally covered with articles such as bath robe, pyjamas, underwear, shirts, collars, cuffs, gloves, hats, shoes, etc. All brand new and marked John Combert. Upon the dressing case was a small jewel box containing several kinds of gold cuff buttons, diamond scarf pins, and a solid gold watch, on the inside of which was inscribed from Arletta to John. It took some time for me to get over the wonderment into which I was plunged at the sight of these things, and the contemplation of how far Arletta intended going before ceasing her benevolent acts towards me. But after spending an hour or two in becoming accustomed to my surroundings, and putting the various articles away into the bureaus and wardrobes, I decided to make a general survey of the entire hotel premises. I learned that the Waldoria Hotel was thirty stories high and covered an entire block in the most fashionable district in New York City. In many ways it resembled a small city in itself, containing a bank, theater, music hall, photograph gallery, art studio, gymnasium, laundry, electric plant, Turkish baths, tonsorial apartments, brokers, offices, library, and various ballrooms, besides four different restaurants, two cafes, and several reception and smoking rooms for the use of its patrons. The entire roof of the building was utilized as a promenade and summer garden for musical entertainments. The hotel could accommodate about 3,000 guests who occupied apartments, the rentals of which cost from three to one hundred and fifty dollars per day about two thousand employees were necessary to keep the establishment in good running order each floor had a separate clerk and corps of attendants and nobody could gain admission to any of the apartment floors except the occupants and their guests all of the apartments of the hotel from the magnificent royal suite to the single bedrooms of the transients were furnished in the most luxurious manner possible costly draperies priceless paintings and exquisite furnishings of every description adorned the drawing-rooms ballrooms foyers and restaurants statues of ancient personages ornamented the different hallways while the carved marble and woodwork seen everywhere showed splendid workmanship sweet strains of music from the orchestras stationed in different balconies could be heard in most any part of the building seated on either side of the long commodious corridors or lounges overhung by palms and tropical plants of various descriptions were men and women of the fashionable set who represented the largest portion of wealth of the community. The women with their low-cut gowns, highly perfumed and weighted down with jewels of every kind, formed a brilliant spectacle that was bewitching and bewildering to behold. They vied with one another in the display of their gorgeous gowns and jewels, with the desire to impress upon each other thereby the wealth they possessed and the position they held in society in fact 
wealth seemed to be the predominant feature of their whole existence beautiful young women scarcely out of their teens could be seen paying all their attentions to decrepit and bald-headed old men of apparent opulence while on the other hand young and athletic-looking men were courting women old enough to be their grandmothers in either case the young were quite willing to sell their persons for wealth these unnatural facts plainly demonstrated to what depths the human being will go in an endeavor to secure money or the power derived therefrom in the restaurants the most criminal extravagance was practiced by these moneyed people in many cases the costly viands and high-priced wines ordered being only partially consumed and the remainder left to be thrown into the waste barrel in fact it appeared that the individual's importance was gauged by the amount of money he could spend and men who no doubt in a great many cases squeezed their pennies from the poor laboring classes through their different financial methods of confiscation thought nothing of spending from five to fifty dollars for a single meal in short i found the waldoria hotel to be a sort of a heavenly place infested principally by hellish beings a welcome nest for people with money but a very unwelcome place for persons who had none it made absolutely no difference how people got their money as long as they had it the stonemasons iron workers carpenters painters plumbers and other laborers who built the beautiful edifice were not allowed inside of it the furniture makers carpet and tapestry weavers interior decorators etc through whose skill the hotel was made grand were not permitted to enjoy the magnificence of their own creation but owing to the stupid money system which these laborers themselves helped to keep in force the results of their combined efforts were either usurped by an unproductive class fortunate enough to be born rich or those shrewd enough to accumulate money such as trust managers bankers real estate speculators stock jobbers and brokers gamblers burglars money loan swindlers high salaried clergymen etc end of chapter twenty seven recorded by gabby cowan in kingston ontario canada